Anchor FM is one of the best ways to make and distribute your podcasts. Their online creative tools can allow you to make your podcasts from home and on the go. Anchor will also help you get your podcast sponsored with no minimum listenership and help you make money while doing your podcast. And distribution is the easiest thing ever. I've used many different distribution sites. Anchor so far has been the best. And they can get you on every major distribution site out there. They can take your RSS feed, whether you're creating a new one or if you're just moving a show from another platform, sign up for Anchor at anchor.fm now. And when you get there, Make sure you pay attention to everything they tell you to do, and they'll help make your podcast great and help make you some money. Again, head on over to Anchor.fm now. Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Wide Men Can Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network, located at blogtalkradio.com slash widemencantjump. We're brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New, wowfreecam.com, and facebook.com slash makeupkennedy. You can check us out anywhere and everywhere you find podcasts. Now, for the host of your flagship program, here's Tom Robinson and Nate Bush. Yo! It is 2019. And we are here, and it is a brand new year. What do you think? I'm having trouble. Yeah! 2019, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are. 2019, you've already been. You piece of slime. Already been a piece of slime. But yet, second day of the year, and we're here. It's Nate, my co-host Tim, with me tonight. Wide Men Can't Jump, episode 60. Tim, what's up? Tim is back, back again, sounding sexier with this new microphone I purchased for Christmas. Guess who's back, back, there we go. Back again, Stevie's back, 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 hello friends. God, I want to be recording. Yes, he's back. Oh, that was that is awesome. I have returned from hiatus from the uh, beautiful. Uh, Mountains of the Northwest Territories, where I was uh, actively engaged in a uh, hunt for Yeti. Uh, unsuccessful, <laughs> unfortunately. Unsuccessful. You well, and Frank. I, I, Frank and I looking for Yeti uh, in preparation for our trip to New Jersey and our new series to come soon on A&E, uh, Where in the Fuck is Tom Robinson? <laughs> I can't wait for that one. Must be scour New Jersey uh, bars and convenience stores looking for Tom. Now you're gonna have to add a few more than just that, but I agree. But, but anyway. anyway, anyway, it is wide men can't jump. It is our 60th episode of the flagship program. Can you believe that we've already done six? This is the 60th episode. That's hard to believe. It isn't for me because 60 episodes of the basketball show have nearly killed me. And I've only been on eight of them. <laughs> yes, I understand. It's, you're yeah. wore out. No, I tell you what, but, I'm bringing the heat today, boy. I am bringing the heat. Let's let's get right to it. Well, let's before we get them. to the heat, we want to take a, a quick second here, Tim, and uh, send our condolences to the family of Mean Gene Okerlund, who passed away today at the age of 76. Um. We are, you know, this is the basketball program, I know, 
And, you know, but as you know, Tim, Tom, myself, anybody affiliated with Wide Men Can't Jump really is, uh, we're all diehard wrestling fans. That includes uh, the people at Wow Free Can, that includes Stephen P. New, um, everybody. We're all wrestling fans. It's it's our connection outside of sports. Um, and we want to take a second to um, to give our condolences to Mean Gene's family. Uh, a great commentator from, from days past did commentary, probably the best interviewer of all time. You know, call the hotline, 1-900-909-9900. Uh, never forget. So, um, sad uh, let's day. Not, but, it is, and let's not forget while we're going there, we got uh... – um, what, uh, Super Dave Osborne? Yeah, Super Dave. Today. And, they come uh, in threes, unfortunately. And the Captain Antoniel, the Captain Daryl Dragon. Also at wow. 76. All, all three of them 76. How bizarre is that? That's strange. But yeah, he 2019 said, already taking yeah, them. Man, it's early. Coming in with a vengeance. Well, there was no uh, real late uh, 2018 celebrity deaths this year, so I yeah. guess they just 2019 said, well, we'll do something about that. And, yeah. But, uh, again, all those people, we do want to send condolences. And, uh, hey, if we can make the impact that these guys made, then uh, we're doing something right. Most definitely. So let's get to the basketball. Yeah. Let's get to some basketball talk now. Let's get let's get out of this uh, down-in-the-dumps talk. Uh, let's, let's get to a little basketball talk. Let's go ahead and start from the top. I'm going to talk about my Timberwolves a little bit because I've kind of been a little silent on them the past few weeks. They are the most perplexing team in the league right now for me. They Now, their records, they set at 17 and 19. They're going into Boston tonight to take on the Celtics. They are without Derrick Rose. They are without Robert Covington. And they were are without Jeff Teague in this game. So, I don't like their chances. But They're going to get this, smoked, my friend. Well, Kyrie Irving is out tonight for the Celtics, so there's a little bit of there's a little bit of hope, but not a lot. Um, the Wolves did play the 31st on a back to back against the Pelicans, and they lost. I'll give uh, I'll give a little bit of an excuse. It was night two of a back to back. They were on the road, and they were without Rose. They were without Teague, and they kept it they kept it pretty close. Now nah, that's tough to do. The night before, they had defeated the Miami Heat. Carl Anthony Towns had 34 points, 18 rebounds, 7 assists, and 6 blocks in that game as the Wolves won that game. But the one game that I sat down and watched and just was disgusted over was uh, on Friday night last week. The Atlanta Hawks came into Target Center, where the Wolves have been money all season long. They have just been tough to beat at home. And the Hawks beat them in overtime in Minnesota. Wolves had the game wrapped up. They shot poorly from free the free throw line. Um, it was really bad the free throw percentage. Uh, let me let me get the the numbers out here. They went fifty five percent from the free throw line. Twenty one of thirty eight. Andrew Wiggins went five of twelve. Carl Anthony Towns ten of fifteen. Uh, Rose two of three. Akogi one for two. Sarich zero of one. So guys struggled all night shooting free throws. Uh, Covington, 5 of 13 from three. Wiggins, 1 of three. Towns, 1 of four from three. Sarich, 1 of five. They just struggled so much all night shooting the ball, and and they still had the game won. And unfortunately, the Hawks just made the plays they needed to make and got into it, and by the end of the game, 
the Hawks were left standing. And this is a team that I just don't understand. They beat the Thunder a few weeks ago. And they, they have that's a nice win for them. They play great. And then they go in against one of the bottom feeders of the East, and they lose. I just don't understand what's going on in Minnesota. It's just uh, it's interesting. I think a lot of it has to do with the coaching. I know a lot of people are just completely blaming Andrew Wiggins, and I just I don't agree with that. Uh, it's a team loss, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, the Wolves tonight against the Celtics are six and a half points uh, underdogs. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, let's just go back a moment. Okay. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yes. They're not very good. Let's let's start okay. there. Okay, but let's no, in all seriousness, let's start there. They're not the greatest team in the world, so expectations maybe should be what middle of the road for that team. Yeah, perhaps I can a, see that. Perhaps a, a maybe a shot at the playoffs, but probably not a whole lot more than that. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I agree all with all that. Right, Outside playoff um, chance, but yeah, but but, but, but no, but nothing guaranteed. Uh, a coach who, well, rivals some of our uh, good friends in the NFL for how does this guy have a job? Sort of, um, yeah. You know the two. Well, kind of. I mean, you know, you, you sort of look at what, well, what's he really done. I mean, that team has got what two or three really good players. Uh, Derek Rose, when he when his body's held together with duct tape, and still goes out there yeah. and and but still goes out there and plays pretty, or at least lately, anyways, played pretty well. Um, at some point, at least for me, and there again, I'm not the hardcore NBA guy, but I start yeah. looking, I have to start looking at, all right, there's some talent there, but this team doesn't get any better. Then, like you say, they overachieve one night and then underachieve the next night. That's coaching. Yeah, that, I, I agree. Yeah, that's coaching. That's 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 not on the players anymore. I mean, we can say that uh, you know, Towns sometimes doesn't know what town he's in. Uh, Wiggins, every now and then, you know, doesn't really live up to the full potential that's there. But then yeah. other nights is, but then other nights is pretty damn good. Um, that's that's uh, that can't to me. That's that's management. That's coaching. That's you got to get a guy there that that has to be able to squeeze out of these guys. Everything they have, every night, and if he can't do it, which he hasn't, it's no, time yeah. to, it, then it, it's time to look for a new coach. I agree. The only problem so, is they've given him; he's the president of basketball operations for the team. So this guy's got a lot of power right now. What's, what's, and his, what's, his, what's his name again? Tom Thibodeau. Tom, yeah, Tom, really. Tom, that's about Tom it. Is that his name? Yeah, uh, like I said, you know, looking just looking at it purely as an observer, that that's what I see there. I hear you talk about them all the time, and it always seems to be kind of a roller coaster of up down, up down, up down. Uh, the the personnel hasn't really changed there much, except for Crybaby, whose name should yeah. be spoken on this podcast. They may. <laughs> oh, we're gonna be talking about him in a little bit. 
Yeah, but you we just wait. We will call him something else besides his given name. Um, yeah, I, I just you know they they pick up uh, Sarich and guys like that in that trade. Mm-hmm. Not re- not not really getting out of them what the seventy sixers got out of them. And well, we're... again, again, this it's been because Covington's been hurt, um, and again, Sarich is coming off the bench now, so their roles are different. My biggest issue is we got these guys, and when they first got there, I mean, we were on a roll. Wolves were rolling. Like they, well, more, they, they that's went all like I'm saying, and I have to point. To, I have to point to who decides who goes out there. Who's that guy? Yeah, well, and he guy. and he still he still plays the starters way too many minutes. That's 462 just, minutes a night. And yeah, I mean, well, when I look at that Hawks game that you were talking about, you know, Covington yeah. 40, 45. Towns forty three, Wiggins forty one. Good God! Um, you know, not that they can't do that some nights, but you can't you can't do that. That is not a recipe for success. And no, it's not. As, as evidenced by the the uh, record that they have, they're a better. I, I would put it to you this way: I think they're a better team than their record indicates. I think if uh, if they had a coach that would handle that roster a little better. They're a 500 team or better instead of what they're at right now. Yeah, I agree. Just my I, I, my take on it. So. Yeah, I got to agree with you on that. But that that's been my wolves. I'm still a diehard. Still love them, but uh, who knows? Who knows with them? But I'll tell you this: I'm so glad Jimmy Butler's gone because now. Philadelphia, there there is some major issues, and you're, yeah, you'll yeah. hear later, you'll hear later from my talk with uh, Ben Golliver. We dive into that, um, the mess in Philly right now, with Embiid, Simmons, and Butler. It seems I'm gonna, that, I'm go gonna go. Can I can I go totally? Uh, I'm gonna go totally on PC here for a moment. So go anybody at home, anybody at home who's listening to this right now. Get your kids out of the room for like five seconds. Get the old lady out if she's or anybody who's a little bit touchy. <laughs> are, are we clear? Fuck You've been warned. Jimmy but- fuck Jimmy Butler. Fuck him right in the ass. That whiny bitch. <laughs> I love you even more there. now. There, we're back. <laughs> we're back to your regularly scheduled programming. But yeah, Butler since he's got there. Embiid's been unhappy with his position. Then the other night, Embiid and Simmons both go up for a rebound. They end up battling each other for a rebound. <laughs> Did you see that? that? I watched it, and I'm sitting there going, who hit who? And, Embiid's, and acting Embiid, like he, Embiid's acting like he got sniped from the you – know, got to you know, get Kennedy assassinated. Yeah, so the book depository. The, yeah, but when I watched the, watched the replay, I didn't even think he touched him. Or if he did, he barely touched him. And I thought, good God, you gigantic suckhole, you. Get well, up you and got, get down the court already. Holy Jesus. There's, I thought there would be – I thought there wouldn't be enough basketball to go around in Golden State. Apparently, there's not enough basketball to go around I mean, what, in did, good, old, good old Philly. Did Joel figure maybe there should have been a foul called on Simmons on that play? Yeah, I should be shooting free throws. My own man fouled me. <laughs> Did you see him go at um, Beverly? 
Yeah, I did actually. That was uh, that made me laugh too. I mean, here's giant, you know what? Seven foot, significantly larger than Beverly, and you know, oh, and that, that, and the only thing that's keeping them from destroying this guy is a tiny little white NBA referee somehow. And I thought, you sir are all talk. I would like to see you in a real fight. Uh, you wouldn't last ten seconds by the looks of things, anyway. You're all bark, and it, it's annoying because he's got such it, talent. Is anybody else noticing that this whole situation didn't start until you know who showed up? They make the trade. Well, the Church of Jimmy Butler is uh, making converts over in Philadelphia, and uh, he's taught the stars how to see the light. And you know, if you complain <laughs> loud enough, you get what you want. Apparently. Right? But so, yeah, he's... I mean, and those two guys were pretty good at it. Well, actually, maybe not the two. Embiid was well, already learning how to do that on his own and with a little yeah, help and, from the veteran there. And they're, and, they're, and they're, a guy, they're a team that struggles when either one of them are gone. Because, honestly, Simmons, he's the point guard, but, I mean... He finally, the other night, he finally, Keith Pompey reported he should be commended. He's finally starting to shoot jump shots. Granted, he missed them, but he shot them. So, there, was a, there was another article there about uh, um, how teams are, are starting to just not even bother to defend if the uh, Sixers are behind the three-point line. Well, I mean, why would you? I mean, what yeah, I would do is it's totally the NBA – the NBA's a pick and roll game. The first thing I would do is I would make Ben Simmons have the ball. I would have him dribble. I would see, you know, you're going to get Joel Embiid or somebody of that nature come up to set a screen. I'm going to go under that screen and dare Ben Simmons to shoot. Then I'm going to probably double team Joel Embiid in the paint and rotate and just let Simmons shoot the jump shot because he's not going to shoot. He's going to try and lay the ball up. If you can keep a guy back towards the paint, and, okay, you can drive in here. Good luck, but you can shoot all day. Until he starts making a jump shot, let him shoot. They had some stats. I'm just trying to pull it up here. Um, their overall shooting is 350, and their catch and shoot is 359, and their pull up shots are 313, which is all right in the middle of the of the league. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so. Yeah, I mean, if you're only going to make one of three from back there, yeah, probably, and and it's probably pretty much only what Reddick most of the time and Butler every once in a blue moon. Yeah, and and, 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 you, and, and you the other guys even less than that. Yeah, you may get McConnell or Wilson Chandler or guys like that that'll pull up, but it ain't yeah, Simmons. Know, I'll man. tell you that. Okay, so what, yeah, why, why, bought, why waste the energy to defend? I dare you to make that shot. I dare you to make it more than once every four tries. Because if you can only make one in every four, I'll take that. Yeah, and he's not even shooting them. That's, that's the biggest thing is here they had Ben Simmons. They draft Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons comes in. He's this great, you know, whatever. He, he's this great ball player, and he is. Like, I'm not knocking the guy. The dude's a ball player. But then they go the next year and draft Markel Fultz, who he's not even 
He's, he's, a magi- he's a magician, man. He's disappeared. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I do want to point something out. Sixers Nation on Twitter has put... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is... This is kind of funny. Are they tripping over there again? (laughs) Sixers Nation put out. Let me just read the news story first. Keith Pompey tweeted, Sixers guard Mark Elfels will be reevaluated early next week for his thoracic outlet syndrome condition, according to multiple leak sources. And he was with the team last night. He didn't play, but he was with the team. So he decided to come. Yeah, win one for the giver, pal. (laughs) Sixers Nation tweeted out (laughs) Prayers for Markel Fultz's physical and mental health Prayers (laughs) Hoping for the best Well first of all I thought they said there was nothing wrong with him mentally So now what's that all Yeah so now what's that all about Um, I mean according to all reports If we're going to believe this thoracic Whatever the hell it is it's supposed to be a relatively minor thing that with, what, six to eight weeks of rehab was supposed to take care of this. And now we're praying for the guy? <laughs> Apparently. Maybe instead of, what what do they call it? Thor- thoracic? What is it now? It, it's thoracic, thoracic outlet syndrome is uh, what he's being diagnosed okay. with. So really what he's but, actually got is Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yeah, you got a you got, got a case of Jurassic Park, living in a living in a dinosaur populated world, his whole neck of the world there. That wow. guy's nuts. Maybe we should thoughts and prayers. How do you really think is him? You think this is him, or do you think this is his agent, lawyer buddy there who's giving him shitty advice and and he's taking it and looking the fool. I don't know. Why don't we ask our caller? Jeff is on the line. Jeff, what do you think on this Markel Fultz situation? Jeff is back. If you've got to follow it. Welcome back. I've watched bits and uh, pieces of it, and um, I'm I'm not for sure about uh, are they talking about trading him or – you know, who even knows anymore with him? Well, they, they talk uh, about they, trading them, but who's going to give them the first-round draft pick that they well, want for him? Well, yeah, they wanted a first-round draft pick for the guy. Well, they're not going to get that. No. <laughs> well. Right now, right now, they'd be lucky to get back. I don't know. They're always the Timberwolves. Be nice uh, to have Jason Tatum, huh? <laughs> yeah. Jason Tatum, Lonzo Ball, you know, any of those guys. Even Lonzo Ball looks good compared to Markel Fultz, and he's not exactly he's not exactly killing it. But he's yeah, he, he's not bad. Yeah, I don't <laughs> so, know. It's it's a it's an unholy mess, that's all I know. Yeah, and the Sixers have got to be sitting there going, Man, what if we would have had Jason Tatum? Because what are they lacking now since the trade? A wing. They could have the best you know, the best young wing in the league right now had they taken Jason Tatum and and passed on the enigma that was Markel Fultz but you know they they pass on Lonzo Ball they pass on Jason Tatum you know the Aaron Fox is starting to look really good out out west you see guys like uh you know they passed on Donovan Mitchell I'm just you know just to name a few players Laura Markin Laurie Markin Dennis Smith Jr 
Uh, Malik Monk, Bam Bam Adebayo. They couldn't take any of those players, though, because uh, Butler was still there. Or, or no, Butler wasn't there yet. He needs young guys to yell No, he wasn't there. Yeah, he needs young guys to yell at, though, right? True, he does. He's got to be yelling at somebody somewhere. You know, Kyle Kuzma went in the late first round, so there's another one that they could have taken a chance on. There there was some players in that draft that are now turning things – they're really turning it around. Like, I'm looking at OG Ananobi, who's playing up in Toronto. He got taken late. Jared Allen is playing good. Um, Harry Kyle, John Collins. They're going to bring in Gritty. Bring in who? They're going to bring in the the, the uh, Flyers mascot, Gritty. Three-point shooting for the 76ers. Did you hear that? No, I did not hear that. Oh, you don't know who you, – you, you've seen the, the uh, Flyers mascot, right? If you haven't, look him up. Look up Gritty. Look up Gritty. You will die. Gritty. Tim, what's Gritty. their uh, – just to, curious on the Flyers. What are, I mean, what are they named for, the Flyers? You know what? I don't – there's a story to that, but I don't have it at the tip of my – my <laughs> the dead people uh, hate, I guess. Tom Nate is, Nate is dying now that he's seen Gritty. <laughs> <laughs> Gritty for three. Can you imagine? That's pretty funny. I could enjoy that, though. Yeah, he's crazy. I would enjoy yeah. that. Flyers, yeah, I, I used to know the, the story of that, just to be quite honest, but I – I would have to look. Um, I think it's actually something quite crazy now that I think about it, which hardly surprising considering the Philadelphia and all. Hmm. I just always wondered. Nathan, apparently uh, they had a, a bit of history last night. Apparently they, they had a contest uh, to name the Flyers. Yes, uh, they, were here. The, they were the Quakers before they got into the NHL. Yeah, yeah, like they and, were the Quakers, and there was another idea. The Ramblers was one of the ideas, the, and then according is better than both of those. Yeah, and I'm looking here. Uh, apparently, on the 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 owner on his way home from a Broadway show look was looking for a stopper name for their hockey team. Uh, I was thinking of people skating and sliding on the ice, his wife said, and flyers just popped in my head. So there you go. Mm-hmm. See, for me, they've always been the Broad Street bullies. They've never been the flyers. <laughs> nice. Anyway, history, Jeff, go for it. Your boy last night made history. First time in back-to-back days that a player went for 25 points, 15 rebounds, five assists, and five block shots in back-to-back days. First time in 43 years. Who was the player that did that 43 years ago? And who was it yesterday? It was it was a. Uh, I'm almost certain it was a. Uh, Nurkic yesterday. It was uh, Tom Robinson. It took Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, did Towns do it? Yeah, he did, didn't he? I thought it was Nurkic. But he had a five by five game, I believe. Nurkic. Yeah, Nurkic did. had a five by five. That, that's what but, I was thinking of. He had twenty four points, twenty three rebounds, seven blocks, five steals, and, or seven assists, five steals, and five blocks. But Towns went um, yesterday, or you know, it wasn't yesterday. He didn't play yesterday. It was the day before. So yeah. it happened in nineteen seventy five. You're yes. saying? Yes. 
Oh, boy. That's mm. way back there. Uh, I have to guess, if I had to guess, I would guess Wilt Chamberlain. That would have been my guess, yeah. A little bit after Wilt. Well, after Wilt? Uh, okay. Dr. J? No. I'm going to guess... Mm. This, this, guy Bill two, this guy had this guy had two names. You're close with Bill Walton. Okay. Uh, he came he into had, the league with one name, and then he changed his name. This guy did. Oh, uh, Kareem. Yes. There okay. Kareem. Okay. Lou Alcindor. Lou Alcindor. Okay. It sounds well, like that's a pretty good company for, for town there to get get on the history uh, yeah. with Lou Alcindor, Kareem. Yeah, that's pretty big. Well, since you bring that up, let me run this by you. See if you can okay. guess this one. There is a player right now in the NBA who is averaging more points per minute than Russell Westbrook, John Wall, Chris Paul, Drew Holiday, and Kyle Lowry at the point guard position. Do you know who that would be? Um, probably, I would think it would be James Harden. Got to be a point guard. Harden's a two guard. Hmm. Well, hmm. points per minute. Points per minute. You, you didn't say Lillard, did you? Did you say Lillard? I did not say Lillard. Damian. It is not is Lillard. It no. I give up. <laughs> Spencer Dinwiddle. Wow. Yes. I, not I. I just saw that little bit of trivia, and I was like, really? Of all people, would have never Hula? guessed. Spencer Dinwiddle. Or, or Dinwiddie. Excuse me. Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie. Plays for the net. Play like second banjo for Leonard Skinner or something? <laughs> he plays for the net. He's actually, he's actually a hell of a ball player. Never heard of him. Got to be honest. Well, he, he's, he's in, he plays for the Nets, so it's kind of a. Uh, oh, okay. well, that might be speaking of the Nets, uh, you know they've won seven out of their last ten, even though they've lost two in a row. But they've kind of worked their way up up the ladder and possible eight seed maybe down the road. Well, they're sitting at nine right now. They're a half game back of Detroit, who has lost three in a row. So. Brooklyn's got a decent little roster here, if you look at them, with what they have. I mean, I've, I'm a, I've become a big fan of D'Angelo Russell. Uh, 17.9 points per game, three rebounds, six assists. Had 33 in the loss to Charlotte the other night, so he was the only one that really showed up. But uh, he's just a good player. I like Levert, who's been injured. Got injured at the Minnesota game. He's been hurt, but he's a good player. That they that they're missing right now. Uh, Din Dinwiddie has been playing solid ball. He's averaging seventeen and a half a game this season. And you know they got Jared Allen. He's a big guy underneath. He's getting better. Eleven point six points per game. Eight rebounds. He's a good ball player. So you know they're building. There's there's and if these guys are most of them are on you know rookie contracts still, and they're going to have a lot of cap space next season. So, look for Brooklyn to really make some noise. And I don't believe they owe the Celtics any more picks, do they? Any? No, that they are they have officially paid the Celtics back. No more picks are owed to the Boston Celtics. <laughs> Until Danny Ainge 
pulls over the last page of that contract and in really, really tiny, small print is that they still owe him another first-rounder. I'll Who's tell you this. First half MVP right now. First half MVP. That's a good one. First half MVP. We're 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 not quite halfway, but if I had to, well, if I was close, well, not close. If I had to pick an MVP today, I Greek Freak. He's picked that team up and put them on his back. They're so good this season, and he is the main reason why. But you you got to know though that 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 statistically he's not. Twenty six point three points a game, twelve twelve points. That's not even in the top. Not even in the top five, my friend. I think uh, James Harden is. Yeah, I was going to say you know who's going to get it, even though it's going to pain you to say it, and that's James Harden. Yeah. Well, you know he's he's first in points, he's fifth in assist, and he's first in three points made. Although he takes a lot of them, but it is forty percent, almost forty percent, and. The key stat for me would separate. He's fourth in steals. Well, I'm looking at it here. Suck on that, Greek Freak. Greek Freak is 10th right now. He's a great player. Don't get me wrong. He's a great player. But statistically, he's not in the top five of anything. So how are you going to give him MVP? Top five in – he's top five in efficiency, which is probably the most important stat there is. I think what would help him is these voters. But Nate, I'm, I'm I'm first in efficiency, zero zero. Hey, the dude's averaging twenty six points <laughs> per game, twelve rebounds. He's thirty three point nine in efficiency. The only guy that's in front of him is Anthony Davis. You, I can't, you can't deny that. You can't deny the season the guy's having. I'm not. Good thing I'm just, here statistically, he though, he's still not there. But the good thing for your argument, Nathan, is is, um, is they're first in the Eastern Conference right now, too. Exactly. Uh, they're, t- they're team. Exactly. However, I believe he's averaging one point six blocks per game, too. They've uh, they've won nine out of the last ten. Houston has, so they're starting to pick up where they were last year. Put it year. this well, way, Nate. How, how, how good how good is Houston without James Harden? How good is Milwaukee without the Greek freak? Okay, well, there's the argument that you have to – there's the one you have to convince people on. Okay, yes, granted, neither team is as good without those guys playing. But who's worse if you take that guy out of the lineup? The reason why – I don't have, And I don't have an answer for that. I'm, I'm asking because I don't follow the sport as close as you guys do. Well, let, so. let me tell you all this. And I, I, tw- I tweeted this out the other day and got a lot of love – through Bleacher Report, so thank you to everyone that showed us some love on the Bleacher Report page. Over 200 likes and retweets, so thank you for this. James Harden the other night had a 40-point game. James Harden shot eight shots, or made eight shots the other night. He was eight of 19 shooting. He had 40 points. James Harden attempted 27 free throws. Against the Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies' entire team, the entire team, shot 30 free throws for the game. James Harden shot 27. Well, he's definitely not afraid to take it to the rack, that's for sure. <laughs> no, he's not afraid to get those foul calls, those bullshit foul calls that he gets where he goes in and initiates contact and then falls down to the ground immediately. Oh, fuck, you poke the bear. Oh, no. 
Who poked the bear? It's true. No, you poked him. He poked you. Are you saying he's getting getting worked You're getting worked up now. I like it. Get more worked up. I'm just, I'm calling it as it is. The man flops around. He gets more calls than any person in the past 10 games. This 10-game streak where Harden's been averaging these ungodly amount of points. Do you know how many times James Harden has shot under 10 free throws in in 10 games? Take a guess. None. Three. Three games. That's close. Three games. One of those games he shot seven. The other two games he shot nine free throws. He's averaging 33 a game, isn't he? He's averaging 33 a game, but he's averaging 15 free throws per game. When's the last time somebody's averaged thirty over thirty three points in a year? In a year? Yeah. I, I know MJ know. went went thirty seven and a half there. I think he's averaging thirty three right now, but that's going to go down when Chris Paul comes back. Because Chris Paul's out. He's been hurt. So that's why Harden's having to take so many shots. Harden's efficiency's terrible. Well. Because he, he can't play defense. He can't play defense. He's fifth in steals. He's fifth in steals. Yeah, and his efficiency is not even top five. He's one. Is he on the? He's on the plus <laughs> side, right? Yeah, he's on the plus. Uh, yeah, get going there. Come he's on, Nick. Tell us how you really looking. feel, Nick. Come on. One, two, three. Okay, he's fourth in efficiency. Excuse me, fourth in efficiency. Right now. But he's also averaging three more minutes per game than Greek Freak. So I'm just going to throw that out there, too. Well, he's in better shape, maybe. Or he's getting used to this by Dan Tony. I mean, you don't have to work as hard when you don't play defense like Harden. No, you've got to handle the ball, too. That takes a lot. Handle what? Handle the ball, you got. To, I mean, it takes a lot bringing yeah, up the ball at the floor the whole game. You know how hard yeah, it so is hard. to make that double it's step so hard back to dribble and the ball get and walk down. every chance. Yeah, dribble it's the ball difficult. and walk continuously. That's a lot of work to uh, to do that and not get caught. <laughs> yeah, it's hard <laughs> to walk so many times and not get caught. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody. I agree ever with you, Nathan. You got a good you got a good argument with, especially where they're in first place. But uh, I think Houston's kind of turning it around now. They, everybody was wondering. Look, Houston has definitely turned it around. I have no issues that Houston has turned around, and they're finally becoming the team we all thought they would be. But James Harden will not continually average 33 points a game. No. The highest, the highest, the, the highest there's ever been was Michael Jordan at 30.12, then Wilt Chamberlain to 30.07. And nobody else has ever averaged 30 points per game in an NBA season. Never been done. But Jordan's well, done it quite often. I mean, Rick Barry did that, it, and uh, Rick Barry averaged thirty point four six in the ABA. So there you go. Uh, Jordan, I'm pretty sure he averaged thirty seven one year. Maybe you're looking at his right. career, Matthew. Mm. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. Let me, let me see. I may have. I may hey, be. Oh, James. Oh, James. Okay, yeah, I'm, says, I'm wrong. Right? That was that was a career. Excuse me. Excuse me. I looked up the wrong thing. That was a career. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain is the top four. <laughs> oh, Listen to this. This, this. this is ridiculous. Wilt Chamberlain averaged 
1962, he averaged 50.37 points per game. (laughs) Then in uh, 63, the following year, he had a drop-off. He only averaged 44.8. He did. Uh, The year before the 62 season, in 61, he had 38 per game. And then in uh, 37.6 in 1960. Jordan averaged 37 in 87. Then Wilt again at number six in 64. He averaged 36. Then Rick Barry, 35 and a half. Kobe in 2006 averaged 35 and a half. Jordan again at 34.9 in 88. Then Kareem. James Harden currently is averaging 33. That would put him right now 18th overall if you where, finish that Where is the greatest of all time, the great LeBron? Oh, he, that's fine. Shouldn't, shouldn't the great LeBron have all of these LeBron averaged he... LeBron averaged 31.37 points per game in 2006. I mean, the self-professed greatest of all time? Oh, don't get me started on that bullshit. I didn't like him before, but I really hate guys who do that When you have stuff. to come out and say you're the best, you're not the no. best. Yeah, that's exactly right. If you've got to be the one who gives yourself the moniker, right. then it doesn't count. Sounds like exactly. he's got security issues. Well, well I mean, he said, he said he said since the team that he had in 06 was able to come back and win, that, that or not 06, excuse me, the team that beat the Warriors, uh, 16, that he would, he now considers himself the greatest of all time. Michael Jordan was asked about being the greatest of all time. I don't know if anybody ever saw this interview, but Jordan said, you know, it's it's somebody's opinion. Who knows? He goes, I never got to play against Jerry West, Wilt Chamberlain, guys like that. He said, I would have loved to, but I just didn't. He said, you can't you can't say you're the greatest of all time when you haven't played everybody. If you can <laughs> sit there and honestly tell me that that LeBron James, and I hate this debate, I absolutely hate it. I hate this whole comparing eras thing. And LeBron James is a great player, probably a top five player all time. But if you're going to sit there and try to tell me LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan, I'll show you the door. I'm sorry. I just I can't I can't buy into that. I agree with you. <clears throat> I would say that list is even longer than that. And I would say, to be quite honest, you may have a really good argument that uh, Michael Jordan is not even the greatest of all time. I mean, if you told me that you thought Wilt Chamberlain was the greatest of all time, I, I couldn't argue with uh, that. No, it would be pretty hard to go here and hear a fool for suggesting that. No. I mean, yeah, like, now, different but, player, now, if somebody different told me, time, but... If somebody told me, you know, like Keith Van Horn was the greatest of all time, then maybe I would, you know, maybe you could call that person a fool. No offense to Keith Van Horn. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. But Unless it's, of course, Joel Embiid, in which case that would be correct. Well, I mean, depends on who you ask. If you ask Joel Embiid, you know, he's always got an answer for everything. So Just a possibility. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. And speaking of well done, if you're ever in a pinch and you don't know what to do, we want you to call Stephen P. New. Personal injury, automobile accidents, workplace accidents, mesothelioma, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, all these things and more can be helped by New Law Office. Stephen P. New will fight for you and your rights. Mr. New, what is there to do if you're in an automobile accident? 
When car wrecks happen, insurance is always involved. Did you know that in West Virginia, we have the highest percentage of uninsured and underinsured motorists driving on our highways? That means that when you're in a car wreck, your attorney needs to know how to work with your insurance company to maximize the compensation that you'll receive. If you've been in a car wreck, call me, Stephen P. New. For your free consultation, call 1-888-692-8084 or visit newlawoffice.com. Stephen P. New will fight for you to get you where you need to be. He's a proud sponsor of our program, and Mr. New is a stand-up national and local attorney. Stephen P. New, Attorney at Law, answers to your legal questions. Our guy, Stephen P. New, newlawoffice.com. Did Check I him out. That, did I mention that Mitch, he had me covered in case I shot a Yeti? I knew he would. Had that all set up. What a great He's guy. that kind of guy. He is? He's that kind of guy. It's just what he does. But let's get back here a little bit. Uh, before we get back to our group conversation, I want to do bring up, I had a chance today, you know, we've talked about a lot of teams, we talked about a lot of players, I talked about, excuse me, I wanted to talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder. So who better to sit down and talk to about the Thunder? We even dived into a little cap stuff. I sat down and talked with David Brandon, who knows everything there is to know about the Oklahoma City Thunder. He's fan-sided, Daily Thunder. So we're going to go to my conversation with him, and we'll be back right on the other side. Joining me right now is an NBA salary cap expert as well as a Daily Thunder writer, David Brandon. David, thanks for jumping on with us. Thanks for having me. Not a problem, not a problem. So we want to dive in here and talk a little bit about the Thunder. We may maybe look into salary cap stuff later, but right now I do want to focus on the Thunder because the Thunder have been an interesting team this season to me. Uh, slow start out of the gate, but they're now sitting third in the West, only a game and a half back of Denver, who's in, who's up top, and they're only a game back of Golden State. Uh, this Thunder team has really stepped up a lot from last season. Was the subtraction of Carmelo Anthony that big a deal, or did the additions of Schroeder and the re-signing of Jeremy Grant and Nerlens Noel and guys like that really help this team more than the subtraction of Melo off the team? Well, I think Melo's part of it, but there's a few different factors, I think, that go into the team being better this year. One is that there's really no, since Westbrook stepped up his effort defensively, I mean, he's still not uh, he's not a stopper defensively, but he's been better this season. There's no weak links in the starting lineup as far as defense. All the guys are good to great, all-world defenders. And even on the bench, there's quite a few decent defensive guys. Now, Schroeder has been putting an effort defensively, but, I mean, I don't think he's made that big a difference, um, but we'll see how the rest of the year goes. Uh, Noel has helped a lot because last year Jeremy Grant was asked to play a lot of center, and especially against bigger guys, he got pushed around a lot. He played well, but uh, the evolution of his skills and him slotting into the starting lineup uh, necessitated having somebody different there. And Noel's been a really solid backup, not lighting the world on fire, but yeah, basically like the whole rotation, 
outside of a couple of guys like Abrinas and Diallo has been made up of solid to excellent defenders. That's the biggest thing. The Thunder's not a great offensive team, just not at all right now. Um, but the defense has been incredible. Yeah, you talk about the offense. The offense has kind of been centered around basically two guys, uh, and that would be Paul George and Russell Westbrook, who are both having great years. Westbrook, so far, another triple-double year right now, 21 points per game, almost 11 a- 11 rebounds, 10 assists per game, just doing it all out there. But the guy that everyone's talking about this season is Paul George getting back to his form pre-injury, averaging 26.4 points per game along with eight rebounds. What has George done to recommit himself and to just keep getting better? And now it looks like he's back to the old Paul George. Is anybody better than Paul George this year? Uh, I mean, there's there's guys that are that are playing incredibly right now. I mean, James Harden's been awesome. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo's been fantastic. I mean, there's there's several guys. I mean, Joel Embiid's been great. Uh, there's a there's a few guys out there that have been having awesome seasons. Uh, PG's having one of the best seasons in the NBA this year, though. Uh, he's been doing it all on both ends. I think part of it is that he kind of knows the guys now and knows how they play and he's just a little bit more comfortable. You'll see that a lot with guys when they change teams. Their first year, there's a little bit of an adjustment period, and then the second year is when things really start to gel. Uh, but, yeah, he's been he's been incredible. He's been shooting lights out. I do worry a little bit because sometimes in the second half of the year, his numbers tend to drop off. Uh, that happened last year. I think that's happened in previous years in Indiana where he'll come in shooting the lights out and then tail off in the second half of the year. I'm keeping my eye out for that. But, yeah, he's been he's been great. And I think a lot of it is just, you know, being more comfortable with everybody. And Noel uh, is another guy you mentioned earlier, how good he's been on the defensive end. He's really come in and been a great rim protector and filled in for Steven Adams in that five role and not making Jeremy Grant play as much five. And that's made Grant – uh, his numbers have went up this season as well. But Nerland's Noel, he comes over, he's kind of uh this is almost like his last chance to maybe make a big impact on the league. What what does he have to do to get better for Oklahoma City? I know he's doing great things on the defensive end, but are they looking for him to do more on the offensive end as well? Um, I don't think they need him to do a bunch on the offensive end. He's been stretching his range a little bit. He's got an elbow jumper now, which is kind of nice. I know he's had it before, but I've seen it, him hit it, and he's pretty automatic from there. Um, defensively, he's a little bit of a block chaser. Um, I think they're probably working with him on getting slightly more fundamental positioning on some stuff where, you know, he might get out of position chasing a block. It happened badly against the Jazz in one of the games where they just threw it over the top every time. Um, so sometimes he gets himself out of position chasing blocks, which is probably why Carlisle didn't play him much, because Carlisle's the kind of coach that that sort of thing would drive him mad. Uh, Donovan, I think, will has a little bit looser reign and can see what he brings to the table. The one thing that people don't talk about with Noel is that his steal rate for a center is incredible. And the Thunder as a team generate a ton of turnovers they create a ton of steals, and Noel's a big part of that for the bench, too. So, yeah, defensively, improving his positioning a little bit. Offensively, I don't think they need him to do much more. They need Schroeder to throw him better lobs. 
uh, Schroeder's not been great passing this year. So, and you, and you mentioned Schroeder, uh, Schroeder, excuse me. Um, you know, he's a guy that I thought they really got great value for in the deal, basically to dump Mello's contract and bring bring him in. And his, if you look at just the box score numbers. You would think he's having a pretty great year, but you're not really sold on him from what I'm hearing. He's got he's averaging almost 16 points a game. Um, his rebound, his assists are down. You're right there, but his rebounds are up. Um, what don't you like about Schroeder right now for the Thunder? Well, honestly, neither Schroeder nor Westbrook's been playing. Like, box score number-wise, they've been doing reasonably well. Efficiency-wise, they've been doing – I mean, Westbrook's been shooting less than 40% from the field this past month, and it's been a trend for the season. Both of those guys have had fairly inefficient years so far, like worst ever for both of them. They're kind of trying to figure out where to fit in because, like, for Westbrook, his usage is the lowest that it's ever been uh, since 2009, the 2009-10 season. And Schroeder also is having to adjust to a lower usage role. So those guys, I think, are the kind that kind of need to shoot themselves into a rhythm and they're both having to adjust to not having the ball in their hands quite as much. Schroeder still has the ball in his hands a lot, but when he's playing with Russ, he doesn't get the same touches or the same looks. And they played him with Russ a decent amount. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, both those guys, they just don't seem like they're in a rhythm right now yet. We'll see. I think they'll both okay. come good by the end of the season, but it's – it's just it's just a matter of when you're watching them play, it doesn't seem like it's quite meshed yet offensively. Well, the last Thunder game I got to sit down and watch um, a lot in was the Christmas game against Houston. Um, mm-hmm. Jeremy Grant really impressed me in that game, and I really like what he's doing for this team. He he just he's just one of those players that you see him and you're like, I really like this guy's game. He just goes after it. He's in good position. And for a guy who's six foot nine, he works the baseline well. Just really knows where to be on the on the court in position. He's another one of those uh, draft and stash guys that Philly had, thirty ninth pick in the second round. But he's really turned into a great player. What's your thoughts on Jeremy Grant for the Thunder? Do you like what he's doing? What What do you need? What do you want to see out of him, Mora? I love what he's been doing. I mean, to, in the interest of full disclosure, I was a supporter of Patrick Patterson starting to start the season because Pat Pat's been a little bit more consistent shooter over his career. Uh, But Grant's added just enough shooting and done so much more in other areas that he's been a far, far better choice of power forward for the team. He's just, um, I think moving forward, they'd like to see him continue to work on a shot because they do need that spacing desperately. Oklahoma City is one of the worst teams in the league as far as three-point percentage and three-point volume. Uh, they just they just don't shoot the ball well, uh, and Grant having a consistent shot will continue to help with that. Um, I'm not completely sold it there yet, but he's canned enough of them from outside that he uh, garners a little bit of respect. And then to I mean just continuing to work on his decision making. He's not a he's not a fantastic passer yet, but he can make the play out of the short roll occasionally and swing the ball when he needs to, and that's been an area of improvement for him this season. I think they'll continue to hope to see him uh, continue that as he goes on. When should we expect the Thunder to get uh, Andre Robertson back? 
I don't know, man. <laughs> the uh, I probably moved out. Prognosis on him moved out a couple times because he had a few setbacks. I always thought that it'd probably be about a year before he was on the court in any sort of reasonable capacity, which we're approaching now. Um, when they were saying training camp, I thought that was a little optimistic, but hey, he's a hard worker. But, I mean, I don't know. I honestly don't know if he ever comes back to the same player he was. Patellar yeah, injury I mean, that's are a, awful. Yeah, that's a rough injury to try to bounce back from. Yeah, I mean, like, Jeremy Lin's done a pretty good job this year. Actually, Loki been quite good for the Hawks. Uh, but that's the first one in a while I can remember where a patellar injury hasn't just been almost a career destroyer. They do have some new techniques now in the medical field, I guess, over the past year and a half or two years. I was talking with a sports rehab guy about it, and he said he doesn't know how they did it, but he may come back to his old self. But historically, the track record's not great. Okay. Well, I, you, we hear a lot about it, and I've actually uh, I've talked to uh, Stacy Hom, who also writes for the Thunder. Uh, we like to keep a nice rotating cast of people, especially for a team that my co-host and I are actually rather big fans of this team because we felt they built the team uh, – through trades and through the draft and, and, you know, getting free agents to stay there in this small market. So we're big time fans of the thunder. Truthfully. Uh, they're probably our, like our second team. If I can say that, if I had to pick a, another team, the thunder would be the team I'm rooting for, but uh, let's kind of shift gears here a little bit. You're a salary cap expert. So let, let's talk a little cap here. If, if you've got a little bit of time here, we won't keep you too long, but yeah, sure. the, the upcoming year with the salary cap, I'm hearing so many different reports, and I know, and I know cer- certain teams can make certain offers. The big one that I'm hearing, and I thought we talked about it last week, was Kevin Durant. New York Knicks mm-hmm. seem to be in the talk, cap wise. I haven't had a chance to dive into it cap wise. Is Durant going to be able to get the the money in New York that he would garner elsewhere? Do they have enough cap space to sign him? cap sheet here for a second uh i believe i believe they do off the top of my head i think they can do it fairly comfortably yeah they have um they have only 48 million guaranteed next year now of that there are guys that they're going to want to keep around obviously christophs Przingis is one of those uh they may want to keep emmanuel moutier um luke cornett uh has played decently for them but he's not going to have a huge cap hold uh, Trier is non-guaranteed, but he's probably in that. But even with guys that they're probably going to keep, they should be able to comfortably give him an offer for, uh, you know, what he's worth. Uh, because, well, Persingas has a decent-sized cap hold. So does Moutier. But of the rest of these guys, yeah, they can they can do it pretty comfortably. And if they yeah, make the real- some trade, which I'm betting, they I'm betting they try to move – Courtney Lee, and they could, if they needed to, move Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, if they wanted to open up more cap space, I think Hardaway and Lee are both fairly tradable. So yeah, yeah, and and we're more likely going to see if if Durant decides to go there. Of course, that's the that's going to be the big um, the big story mm-hmm. is where will he want to go because uh, the Nets. 
presumably are going to have some room next season. Um, there's L.A., the Lakers are going to have room to, to make these offers. It's just going to be an interesting offseason because there's a lot of free agents coming up, and then reports are saying DeMarcus Cousins is open to staying with the Warriors another year. Uh, again, this is all hearsay on Twitter, so, of course, you take it with a grain of salt. Um, but if if Durant walks, now this is this is going to be a little bit of an opinion here for you. If Durant walks, how much is roughly is he leaving on the table in Golden State? And if he does walk, is that going to be enough to maybe have Golden State lure somebody to come play there with Curry? And right now, Curry's really the only one inked in for a while because Thompson and Green and Durant's contracts are all coming up. Well, I mean, the Warriors the Warriors have 82 mil guaranteed right off the top. That's without uh, having – that's without Livingston. That's without Durant. That's without Thompson. That's without Cousins. You add those guys in, the cap holds and stuff for them. Uh, they can't really get anybody free agent-wise. So if Durant walks, they just got to punt. I mean, they can they can get some guys to come in, you know, for the minimum or mid-level exception, that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they can't really go and get somebody else. There was another part to that question. I can't remember what it was. What was the other part that I'm missing? Um, basically, it was how much would he be leaving on the table in Golden State? Right. Or if you don't have that information, I, I mean, that's a, that's a very specific question. I was just well, wondering if you happen to already, know. He's already taken pay cuts twice. So he's yeah. he's taken pay cuts in Golden State already. Now, if he went to another team, he could make up to the league maximum salary next year for somebody of his seniority, which I'm ballparking, but that's around $35, 36000000 million. Let me check this. Go ahead. Yeah, so next next year the maximum salary is uh thirty five million six hundred and fifty four dollars thirty yeah, basically thirty five mil. It's thirty five percent of the cap. So the cap's about a hundred million dollars. And uh, I mean there's there's bird rights stuff that go into that where you, you have raises over time and yeah. some guys can get a little bit more uh than others, but you know, He's not – if he wants somewhere else or if he stayed in Golden State, he can get the same contract. Yeah. Golden State can okay. offer him a longer contract uh, with the with the bird rights raises, but pretty much any team can offer him a pretty good contract. And it, it's enough that money is negligible in keeping him. Just off the top of my head um, – you know, there's a there's a few extra extraneous factors that go into this, but ballpark, I'm pretty confident of that. Okay, I wasn't 100 percent on how his uh, his contract would would work out, and I was uh, wondering about that. And I, I do appreciate your insight on that very much. Um, but uh, I'm gonna I, we're gonna go ahead and let you go, David. You've been a great guest. We really appreciate it, and I know you're a busy man, so I want to give you plenty of time to get back to doing what you're doing. And uh, won't you let our listeners know where they can find you at on Twitter and read your writings and elsewhere? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm on Twitter at at 
Bird Writes, R-I-G-H-T-S, NBA. And you can also find me on Daily Thunder. I'm an occasional contributor there. Not as much as I would like to be, but uh, I'll probably put some stuff out around trade season, and you can find me on there. Yeah, we definitely want to try and get you back uh, come come trade deadline time. We'd love to have you back on. We could talk some more salary cap and really break down what some teams are going to do and teams that are just doomed. We could, I think that would be a fun fun idea. Absolutely. I'd love to be back. Awesome. Well, thanks, David, so much. We appreciate your time, and we'll have you back real soon. Yep. Have a good one. Thanks. You too. Thanks. love too sexy for my love love's going to leave wowfreecam.com is the number one cam site on the internet and they are our gracious sponsors and we want to invite you to check them out over at wowfreecam.com anything you could imagine and whatever you want is just one click away if you go to wowfreecam.com what's some of the things you could check out over on wowfreecam.com motorboat play the motorboat you Or you could be into two chicks at the same time, man. Whatever it is that you're looking up for, WowFreeCam.com will leave you with one reaction and one reaction only. You won't want to miss out all the fun going on at WowFreeCam.com. So be sure to show them some love and go over. Hey, it's in the name. It's all free. Must be 18 or older to access the website. But make sure you get there as quick as you can to check out all the fun going on over at WowFreeCam.com. Again, must be 18 or older to visit. Big thanks to our sponsor, WowFreeCam.com. Also, Thanks to them for helping us get everything set up in terms of our website, which is widemencantjump.com. Make sure you go check out widemencantjump.com. New article up the other day posted by yours truly on Christmas Day games and teams that get snubbed from Christmas Day games. So go check that out. I had a, I had a good time writing that article up. It was, uh, was very well done, out. I must say. Very well done and got a lot of, uh, got a lot of hits there, my friend. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people seemed interested, and, uh, you know, Twitter Twitter was kind, so appreciate everybody for checking that out, and, uh, I, you know, I learned, I learned a little bit from writing that article. Like, I did not know the Toronto Raptors all time. Get fucked every in Christmas. year? What is it? Get screwed every year? They're 0-1 all time on Christmas. They've played one Christmas Day game, yeah, which no, to me is never, shocking. Yeah, never... They never, well, no real, real network love for Toronto, really. With Kawhi, so, I figured this year would be the year. Like, why would you not put Toronto on instead of the Knicks? <laughs> That's what I'm trying to figure yeah. out. Because the Knicks is New York's New York, I guess. Who cares? I don't care about New York. I care about seeing a basketball game. I care about seeing. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, unfortunately. I was like, what the Knicks were on this year, and then. One year the Lakers were on and Kobe was hurt and the best player that the Lakers had out there was Xavier Henry. So I'm just sitting there going, yeah, I get it. The city is New York, it's L.A., it's a big market, but uh, your ratings are going, because look who's playing. (laughs) 
No offense. Yeah, fair enough. What do you think about that, Jeff? Uh, I know you're a Knicks uh, fan, so don't hate me. Well, uh, it'd be hard not to have the Knicks on Christmas Day, regardless not of really. the worst team. kind of easy. I mean, it's just, it seems like it's a tradition to have them on there, so regardless if they suck or if they're good, which they suck for like the last 20 years. Well, I mean, even Lance and myself, Lance Smith talked about it. It's The Knicks have been a terrible organization now for a good long while. How long are we going to reward them for being bad? They get primetime games. They get all these. You know, they get all the hits. Everybody loves. I mean, yeah, it's New York, but you know, we well, should like, stop rewarding the Knicks I've until they get two, their shit together. I've got it's two a ratings thing too. Dallas Cowboys. Well, at least Dallas is in the playoffs this year. The Knicks yeah, aren't even smell playoffs. Whether the Cowboys are good, bad, or indifferent, they yeah. always get network time. It doesn't make any difference because people watch. Love them, hate them, whatever the reason may be, but they still watch. People, the majority of people is going to watch a bad Knicks team over a good Raptors team. I, I, I think you're, I think you're right. Yeah, I, I, it pains me to agree with you because being Canadian and all, but I, I think you're right on that one. I suppose I don't, I don't get it, but you know. I guess cities and marketing and all that. Who well, knows? Why don't you just move to Houston and coach their college football team, mate? Too late. There was another guy who beat me to that. <laughs> anyway, yeah, sorry. Hey, two and five all time in bowl games. That's all he I'll say. Go, he, he wants to coach James Harden in Houston. That's what he wants. <laughs> yeah, I'll go coach <laughs> oh, James wow. Harden. How oh, hard wow. would that be? Harden, pick up the ball and just <laughs> run until somebody touches you. <laughs> You don't hear no whistles, just keep on shuffling. Yeah. I didn't hear no bell ring. <laughs> but anyway, we were going to talk about DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, Boogie Cousins, it was released the other day that DeMarcus Cousins' possibility may want to stay in Golden State another year. Okay, hold on. Uh, hold he on, signed hold on. a one-year deal for He signed a one-year deal for basically a bag of circus peanuts and Boston baked beans. And uh, you know, the only the only cheaper contract you could get out there is if Ed Bogus showed up and they paid him in sheets uh, Wisconsin bites. So uh, you know, the cheese bites for Ed, he'll sign for those. And Ed, I, I agree with you, I would too. But Demarcus Cousins on the team in Golden State, talking about staying another year. What does that mean for the league? What do you think, Tim? Jeff, what, what what's your thoughts on it? Hold on, we got to go back a little bit. First, uh, Boogie Cousins loved his work with, like, the Bee Gees, uh, Casey and Sunshine Band. Uh, loved when he transformed into wrestling and was the Boogie Woogie Man. Awesome. Now, what he brings to the NBA, I don't really know. Um, I hear it. You were a little late with that, but anyway. Well, uh, I'm waiting on you to I, take I, a breath, you loudmouth Canadian. I can't help it. I, I, I just got to keep talking. It's just me. Um, I, from all reports, I understand that he is again uh, willing to take the salary bite and play there for one more year to try to win. Now that goes against almost all NBA player logic, but that's yeah. what I'm reading. That's what I'm reading. So uh, I guess to be honest, that says a lot about Boogie Cousins because. Most, like I said, most guys don't care about any of that. It's 
where can I get that paycheck? Um, I guess he you know, figures maybe maybe at he's what twenty eight. I guess maybe he figures at thirty he's still got a chance if he if he can put a title in the bag that he can still sign a big deal somewhere and, and still get his bank. You know, I, I, normally I would agree with you, but uh, at the same time, yeah, a lot of NBA players nowadays, man, they're more focused on winning that ring. They. They know they're going to make money. They're not looking for the huge deals. They want the ring. And then later on in life, they'll become one of those that's um, after the money instead. It makes you wonder, too, how well off he is financially. You know, a lot of these guys have, in the past have made some bad decisions, like Antoine Walker. and just the Now, now, Antoine Walker. All Antoine Walker wanted to do was play $100,000 hand blackjack like Michael Jordan. It's not his fault. Michael but, Jordan forced him to play hundred thousand dollar hands of blackjack. But I just I I'm kidding. By the way, he might, I, I kind of think he might be made some good investments, or you know, does well with endorsements, or could be getting money under the table. Or I mean, some people think he was making millions before he got in the NBA when he was at. Kentucky, I would say he so. probably got a nice paycheck in college playing at Kentucky. So uh, who knows? Now, now. What are you trying to say? Now, now, me. <laughs> now, now, oh, me. I can't believe that would come out of you. I can. <laughs> I can believe that. I can believe that right now. Let's just say that DeMarcus Cousins has made, uh, for the Sacramento Kings, I said, well, okay, his, his total since he came into the league in 2010 is a paltry uh, $78 million. Oh, is that so, all? You know, that guy probably is, you know, he couldn't afford to buy an island for his wife for Christmas this year. Kids. Uh, <laughs> rough to, holiday know. this year. Yeah, you know, pretty pretty rough, you know. Guy's only got 300 new pairs of shoes, stuff like that. He's probably hurt pretty $78 million. Now, I will give him a little credit. He's got to get specialty, probably made pants and, and shirts and stuff. He He's tall. Got to go to that big and tall store. The big and tall stores ain't cheap. I thought you were maybe referring to something else there for a second. No, 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 no. Well, I was going to ask you I, how you knew, but all right, fair well, you know, I'm not far from Lexington. So. <laughs> you, you hear it? Yes, I do. Oh, I hear does it. it. Does it does it block out the sun? What? I I have family that lives in Lexington, so we'll just leave it at that. Uh, they, made anyway. movie, they made a movie out of it, and it's called Tremors. Oh God. Can I be Kevin Bacon? <laughs> well, let's look. I got a, I got a couple more things here I want to talk about before we go to my conversation with Ben Golliver from the Washington Post and Open Floor Podcast. Uh, as me, he and I just jump all over the league, and, and a lot of the things that we're talking about now, Ben, Ben and I did get to talk about some. We really went into a lot of detail. Washington Wizards, John Wall done for the year. Uh, surgery done on his Achilles. I believe it was. Um, I, it, I'm almost certain it was his Achilles. Don't hold me to that. But he did have some a sur- some surgery done there. Um, he's done. He won't be back this season. He's gonna have to heal up. And uh, he's I'm already got a new job, mate. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, President Trump has uh, figured with that oh, last name. He's got to get, get the he's fuck be, out of here. He's got to be useful <laughs> somewhere. So he's uh, he's uh, named him Attorney General. I hate you so much right now, but that does. <laughs> he 
had surgery on his heel. So, and and this was actually elective surgery. Like he had been dealing with this injury for a while, and he decided now was the time to get it. Um, it wasn't one of those he got hurt during a game. This has just been a nagging injury, but it was so nagging that he decided now was the time to get the surgery. And with things going as wild as they've been going in Washington, he gets the surgery done, kind of just leaves his team kind of high and dry. Should the Wizards now just focus on maybe trying to trade Bradley Bill or getting ready for the NBA draft? Or, you know, should the should the Wizards be more concerned with next season and just kind of give up on this one? That's That's what I'm asking. Absolutely. I mean, they're not even in the top ten in the standings. I don't think they have a chance. So, uh, I, I would I would agree with you know what you're saying there. That yeah, no, no doubt about it. They're what eleventh? Eleventh yeah. in the East, three games out. That was going to be a battle even with him, probably. Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe it's time to. Uh, I'm to blow it start, up, I think. Yeah, maybe it's time to start thinking about getting a jersey with Williamson written on the back of it. Well, I mean, imagine if they Williams do get him. Right now is. they have uh, – imagine this team, if you will. Bradley Beal, John Wall when he comes back, Trevor Reese is still there, Zion Williamson. That's a pretty damn good team. Well, or even if you get the other one. Uh, R.J. Barrett? If you, yeah, if you get Barrett even, I mean, that. I mean, there's going to be some players coming out of this draft, and here's and here's the odds with, and here's the thing that they can do. The Wizards, as I as I steal my own line, here's the thing: the Wizards don't even have to lose. Like you, you don't have to be the worst team this year in the league. This is one of those because the draft lottery has made changes now. Certain teams are going to have certain percentages depending on where they finish, the the lottery odds have changed. So you don't even have to be the worst team anymore to have the best chance of getting the top pick. If you get in the top three worst teams in the league, you all have the same chance of getting the number one pick. So just remember that. Yeah, you know where they stole that from, right? Hockey? That's hockey. You're just be, last does not automatically guarantee you right. there anymore because teams were tanking. I like that. Way way too soon they were. It's one thing to tank, you know, with 15 games left. It's another to tank at the midway point of the season. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's, the good the thing is were, they would be guaranteed a top three pick. Yeah, you're going to get a top three, so you don't get totally screwed. But you're, not, but you're not necessarily going to grab that. Uh, well, in hockey, there does, t- does tend to be there's usually the top guy, maybe the top two guys, and then there's a bit of a drop-off from there. So it was just a way to throw a wrench into the tanking process. But it worked a little bit, so. If it works, I hope it translates over to the NBA because tanking is a major issue. And I'm not a big fan of tanking, but for this Washington Wizards team, I would tell them now, go out there and try, but uh, don't kill yourself trying to get that W. (laughs) Just kind of stay healthy. That's where I'm at with it. Yeah, no, no, uh, no argument there. Yeah, I agree. I think yeah. you gotta you gotta you gotta play hard. You, I mean, you gotta throw something out on the court so your fans don't totally desert you. But in the same breath, you know what's at this point of the year, I would imagine advertising and all that stuff is all paid for. You know, that's all done yeah. with. 
So now it'll be okay. Well, we gotta we gotta focus on next year. Well, look at this. I mean, chances are we're gonna have you know one of these three or four guys who are game changers. So good time to get on board before we get really good and it really costs you money to advertise here. Yeah, and that would be a good way to actually get season ticket prices lowered and more people would buy. Probably. Because I remember oh, when oh, the Hornets oh. were the, still the Bobcats a few years back, they did the uh, the whole buy one buy one season ticket and then you get the next year free. Although we all we all know too, though there's always a good chance there's always one team in the NBA that pulls gets a first round pick and pulls out some player from the middle of nowhere where no one has ever heard of. <laughs> Darko Milicic. Well, even I mean, faults we can even go. I mean, people had heard of him, but still, you know, there's always somebody will pull that one that just is. Everybody shakes their head and goes, "What?" The Raptors have done it several times. Where they've drafted some guy from somewhere over in Europe who, oh, no, he's seven foot eight. Yeah, okay, but he can't walk. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, Mr. Ball? What yeah, a good he's, pick. He's great and, yeah, I mean, he's great and big and tall, but, you know, have you guys not been watching the game? The tall really doesn't, well, it doesn't hurt, but there's tall and then there's, you know, seven foot five tall, like, you know, Sean Bradley. Ellie <laughs> Giant Gonzalez. Oh. <laughs> well, look at the. I mean, big big country comes to mind. Yeah, Reeves. You know, he was one where really, you know, not really a whole lot of skill there. Really, had a bit of a college career, I guess, but yeah, but there was nothing that. I'll tell you this: you don't think tall pays off? Go go to YouTube and type in Minute Ball six three pointers in a game and watch it. It's magical, ladies and gentlemen. Minute you Google ball. that. You Google. Yeah, but he at least brought then, something else to the to the floor, at least. But and then when you get done. Go Google Manute Bowl versus Refrigerator William Perry in a boxing match. Oh, I was going to say that's got to be wrestling. No, it's a boxing (laughs) match. (laughs) But no, Manute Bowl, God, he was so tall. He was like seven foot seven. It was ridiculous. And then the dude was so skinny. He just got pushed around everywhere. That's why he shot three so often. He had, and he, he, he just, he always shot threes. And he just wasn't very good, but he was seven foot seven. So people who were like, "Oh, this guy's got to be a good rebounder," it's like, no, because rebounding, you know, height helps, but it's more about positioning than it is height. Look at Charles Barkley; he's one of the best rebounders in the world. If he's six seven, it's you know, the sky's green. Dennis Rodman was a great. I mean, you look. uh, Yeah, Dennis Rodman. Those great Raptors draft picks I was talking about. Nineteen ninety nine, number one, twelfth overall. Alexander Radjovic from Yugoslavia. <laughs> what a uh, one name. In 2004, first rounder, number eight, Rafael Arreo from Brazil. I remember that name. Okay, you remember the name, but uh, attach an NBA career <laughs> to that name. Uh, I couldn't do that. The, I just remember the name. Yeah, 2005, the great uh, Rock, Roko Ukic from Croatia. Followed up by Euros Sloker from Slovenia. 
2006, Eden Eden Bafivik from Bosnia and Herzegovina. What in the hell? <laughs> Tim, you just giving me Tim, you just giving me the greatest idea in the world. You just giving me the best idea ever. All right, here's what we're gonna do. We may start this next week. By the way, we may start this next week because this sounds like way too much fun. What we're gonna do is, is we're gonna go back. We're gonna we're gonna call it draft lottery memories. All right. Or I mean, we'll call it NBA. Dr- we'll, we'll just go. We'll just go with. We'll go with NBA. We'll call it first round draft memories. Here's what we'll do. I'm gonna take. <laughs> gonna take an NBA. I'm gonna take all 30 NBA teams and put them in a hat. And then I'm gonna take. Then I'm gonna take the year. Starting, you know, nineteen. We'll just go back to nineteen eighty-five or eighty-four when the draft, 80, 85 when the draft lottery started, and we're going to go from eighty-five all the way up till present day, and we're just going to pick a, a year out, and we're going to pick a team, and we're going to review that team's draft, and <laughs> we're going to look at I mean, it. You know, I mean, I know some of it is purely based on potential, but when there's only two rounds, right? Yeah, you can right. you cannot afford to make a total miss. You Especially might end up with a guy. hot lottery pick. Yeah, when when you're you're pulling when your number one pick is some guy nobody's ever heard of. Like I said, you know, Tom. I mean, he was in the second round, but Thomas Slavusabujic. I mean, the, the Toronto Raptors must have a guy who owns part of the team who lives in Croatia because they've picked. Picks from Croatia like seven or eight times. They were trying to find the next. Uh, I think they were trying to find the next. Um, well, I mean, or who the hell is Tony Pascal Eakin? They took him in 2016 in the first round from Cameroon. I mean, oh, he played Pascal Siakam. Yeah, he played college ball in the states, but oh, he I mean, he's actually a good player. He's a very he good player. player. What about OG Ananobi? OG Ananobi, he's a good player too. Except he doesn't play Seriously. for Seriously. Really? Yeah, I mean, how they're both never, really how good I've never, How come I've never heard of him? Because you don't watch basketball, you dumbass. You watch but hockey. He plays, the, he plays for the Raptors, and I do watch a little bit of Raptors. I've never heard of him. They do. They play for the Raptors, and they're pretty solid players, especially Siakam. I want faults, damn it. Trade me for trade me. I don't care. I'm sure Give me Philly, I'm sure Philly would gladly take Siakam for faults. I have a I have a couple of great budding Croatian stars we've been looking at. <laughs> <laughs> OG Ananobi. He's a he's a pretty solid player. All right. He's, good, enough, he's very right. good on defense, but but Siakam's a damn good player. Siakam's averaging fifteen points a game, six point six rebounds, two two point seven assists and a steal per game. He had twenty eight points on Last night against Utah in the win, he had 28-10, and then against Chicago on the 30, he had 20-12. and 12. See, Alcom's a damn good player. I mean, could I could I, I interest you in a D'Angelo Ball by any chance? Or a, a, a Mello? Or <laughs> LaMelo. LaMelo? La oh, God, that's funny. Oh, oh man. Oh, shoot. But uh, one more thing before I let you guys go. Last thing, and then we'll uh, go to my conversation with uh, – Ben Golliver, Anthony Davis, is it time to go? Is New Orleans no longer the spot? Does he need to get out of there? What do you guys think? I think so because he would be uh, 
we talked about the MVP candidates earlier, and I definitely believe uh, he would be one. The unfortunate thing for him is, you know, they're not even in playoff contention, are they? I don't, I don't believe they're even no. in the top ten. No, they're actually, I think they're fourteenth in the West right now. I mean, are they? I mean, he's putting all this into it, and is anything going to happen for the team? Uh, just. I mean, he's. He's kind of been hurt a little bit, but at the same time, it's not like they're eight and a half games back of first place in the West. If that tells you anything, and they're fourteenth right now. The He's been hurt. Pretty tight, like you said. It's the top eight, it like I think four or four and a half games within one another. You know, so. Yeah, yeah, and well, uh, he, you know, I'm seeing guys like Elford Payton. Elford Payton's come back now, and uh, Julius Randle starting to come into his own. So you're starting to see the Pelicans semi put it together. They did beat the Wolves the other night uh, without Davis, so that tells you anything. But at the same time, it's I don't know. Okay, well he's he's made it quite clear that he does he has no interest in their supermax deal at the end of the year, correct? That's the rumor. I don't know. He Party says he wants. To okay, so one would think if they're interested, if that's true or even remotely true, what can they do to make him change his mind on that? Which means luck. having, well, I'm just reading this story, which is two hours old. Uh, NBA rumor that Pelicans will acquire Kevin Love in three team trade with Cavaliers and Nets. Hmm. Um, so take that for what it's worth. It's from Bleacher Report, so I'll give it some credence. Okay. Um, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But, uh, I mean, if he's willing to pass on Supermax deal. Yeah, and they can offer more money than anybody. If he's not willing to take that, then I guess we'd have to see where he's. uh... Okay, how does this go? In the proposed trade, the Pelicans will receive Love and Rodney Hood. The Cavs will get Alan Krabby, Solomon Hill, Frank Jackson, Shabazz Napier, two 2019 first-round picks and two 2020 second-round picks, and the Nets acquired Julius Randle and J.R. Smith. Holy shit. That's a lot of bodies big, moving around. A big trade. Yeah. That is. It's actually a really good trade if you're Cleveland. But I tell you, if you're if you're New Orleans and you make that trade, you better damn well hope he doesn't leave. Well, Love and because Hood have just signed new deals. Because you've just given up. Yeah, but you just given up two first rounders and two second rounders. Like you've given up, well, every, your picks are gone. And if he well, you've stay, got you love. Know. Yeah, if you I do guess, that trade, but... if you do that trade, you've got love for the next five years. Like he's already signed the contract. Yeah, well, this deal can't be. Yeah, it can't become efficient until twenty third, because Kevin Love is not trade eligible until that date. Yeah, so, where he signed the new deal. But we'll see. So, we'll see if they take that. That it should be interesting. A lot of people are saying Davis may end up in um he may end up in uh Golden State. Wow. That'd be really uh, cool, wouldn't it? Well, there's there's talk that that Golden State was interested in maybe trading Thompson and Draymond to get Davis. Because both Some of those guys I would do it. If I was Golden State, I would pull. I would do it, honestly. Because you know he'll stay. He's got his, his teammate Cousins back with him. 
Curry's there. Durant would be more enticed to stay. Uh, it would be Draymond's interesting. Gone. Yes. Draymond and Clay would both be gone, though. So, who knows? I don't know. They were very not interested in Kevin Love years ago when Minnesota wanted to make the deal to get, and they wanted Clay Thompson involved, and they would not do it. So, who knows? But Ben Golliver and I sit down and talk about that. You'll hear more about that when you listen to Ben and I's conversation. There's some talk that Durant could end up with the Knicks. There's some talk that, that Davis could go where Durant goes. Who knows? I mean, it's it's going to be a wild offseason, so it's it's hard to predict. Well, to be honest, I would love to see, as much as I'm not a New York Knicks fan and, and really don't like the city of New York very much, I would be really good for basketball if the Knicks had a contending team for a while. Well, them and the Bulls both. I mean, look at those big markets that aren't getting, you know, the bad teams. And, and I don't it's mean a, like Bulls. I don't mean it's a Carmelo like Anthony hyped contender. I mean a real one. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> they haven't. The Knicks have not won a title since like God, Will's Reed. Seventy three. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's unheard of. Well, and they were good for a little while, and what? Uh, when Ewing was there, they had Ewing. They they were okay yeah, for yeah. a while there, but they went to a couple a, finals. And that's about all I can, to be honest, out of my memory. That's all I've got for the next. Really, except, Jordan cost him a, him a couple. Uh, a lot of talk he, about. He cost a lot of titles, but he cost Ewing in the Knicks at least a couple, anyways. And Reggie Miller didn't help either. Yeah, they busy stealing Veronica. That Reggie. <laughs> he does that but guys let's go ahead and we'll get to my talk with ben golliver ben and i were able to sit down ben works for the washington post does a uh a sports center or excuse me a sports illustrated podcast so let's go ahead and get to our conversation and on the other side and we'll come back and we'll say goodbye for this episode so everybody enjoy my talk with ben golliver and here it is Joining me right now is Washington Post National NBA writer and Open Floor podcast co-host Ben Golliver. Ben, thanks for coming back on the show with us. Hey, it's my pleasure, man. How's it going? Doing good, doing good. It's uh, been a busy time since you were last on here, but everything's going well. So dive in here. The NBA is uh, up and running, and you guys know very much about that over on the Open Floor podcast, which if anybody – Wants more hoops besides Wide Men Can't Jump? Go check out the Open Floor. It's a great show uh, through Sports Illustrated, if I'm not mistaken. Correct, yep. Uh, SI, I do it with Andrew Sharp. He's my co-host, and uh, he's coming back from a long trip overseas, so I can't wait to get back into the debates with him this week. No, definitely can't wait to hear that. But uh, let's go ahead and dive into a little bit here. You were with the Sixers uh, organization last night uh, when – I believe it was last night, uh, if I'm not mistaken. It could have been the night before. But uh, the Sixers took on the uh, the Clippers out in L.A. Embiid goes for 28-19 with three blocks. And you posted, you know, quite a few videos, especially um, <laughs> the one I really liked was the uh, Jeff Garland from Curb Your Enthusiasm 
asked Joel Embiid. He, he says he's from Pirates of the Caribbean magazine, and Embiid just looks like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> Can you uh, describe what it's like with Joel Embiid giving a post-game interview like that? You know, it was a fascinating scene last night. The Clippers are just always in the middle of these beefs, I swear. You know, I remember everybody remembers the the fight with the Rockets in the locker room and all that. But that, that game last night, there's two sets of basically on-court shoving matches. Bunches of technicals are handled, uh, handed out, two ejections. And then on top of all that, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons were fighting over a rebound. Embiid takes a, a blow to his face, and he had had uh, – you know, a, a fracture in his face last year. Um, and he really reacted, you know, pretty aggressively, like angry at Ben Simmons after it happened. So there was like a teammate on teammate fight on top of all that. And then you get the normal LA circus, which is, you know, celebrities are at the games. They want to kind of be mingling around, you know, after the fact. And, you know, Embiid has really started to cultivate that star power. And so it was just a, a kind of a kooky environment all in all. Embiid, you know, he, he threw out some shots at uh, Montrez Harrell. I don't know if you saw the game, but Harrell finished a, a basket over him late in the fourth quarter and, and did a big flex. You know, he's a, a big energy player. And Embiid just sort of dismissively brushed him off. You know, he tried to sort of uh, cover up, you know, any, any possible beef with Simmons and saying, you know, it wasn't a big deal. He was just a little bit afraid in the moment that, you know, maybe he was going to get himself injured on a fluky play again. Uh, but then on top of all that, you know, he's, he's dealing with these questions from like legitimate celebrities like that, you know, Garland is, is on Curb Your Enthusiasm, right? It's like one of the, the most popular shows uh, of recent memory. And so I think he just was yeah. miffed in, in that particular moment. He realized there was, you know, a lot going on. And I think his head was just spinning. So do you buy his excuse that the, uh, the, the, the anger at Ben Simmons was, you know, kind of whatever, do you buy that or? Do you think maybe after the fact he's still a little pissed off and he gets in the locker room and maybe goes off on Ben or, or something like that? Do you buy that it was just a heat-of-the-moment thing? Because there seems to be a little bit of a riff, and there has been the past, uh, you know, since Jimmy Butler got there. There's been a little bit of riff in uh, Philly with Joel Embiid especially. Yeah, I uh, I don't know about any sort of a, a post-game conversation or anything along those lines, but I do think there's some tension there between the two of those guys. And, you know, even just put aside the, the elbow play, they just don't talk very much. They don't communicate very much on the court. And Sixers coach Brett Brown was kind of stressing that in his postgame co- comments. You know, he was also trying to play down the idea that, you know, there was anybody should read anything from that reaction. But he did admit, like, he's trying to coach his guys to be more positive to each other, to thank each other for assists, to kind of like, you know, high five and to do all those, uh, the little things that show camaraderie and teamwork. And it was very strange to hear him harp on that because the Sixers had great chemistry and teamwork last year. I mean, I remember that they, you know, they came into LA about a year ago and beat had 40 plus points against the Lakers. They were so, everybody was just energized and rejuvenated by his return. Everything seemed possible. They wind up going on a a pretty nice postseason run to the second round and, uh, you know, everything seemed hunky-dory. It's just not the same vibe this year. You know, I don't know if it's uh, the pecking order stuff. You know, you throw Jimmy Butler into the mix, all of a sudden you have three guys who want to have the ball, and there's only one ball. Does that wind up throwing things off? Um, is it the fact that Embiid has really wound up becoming the face of the franchise and the star? And, you know, a guy like Ben Simmons, he's drafted number one overall. 
he expects to be the next LeBron. He thinks he's going to be the, the big face of the team and the big franchise star. And I think now he's sort of settling into like a, you know, a, a third wheel type role. And I don't think that's what he anticipated for his career. So there's just some weird stuff bubbling below the surface. I don't know if it's ever going to explode, uh, but I do know this. You're not going to go very far in the playoffs if you, if you are not on the same page, if you're not rooting for each other, if you're just tolerating each other. And right now the Sixers stars, to me, it seems like they're just trying to tolerate each other. Oh, there's definitely going to be an explosion if Jimmy Butler's involved. I can guarantee that. We saw what <laughs> happened in Minnesota. We've seen what's happened in Chicago. I, I, as a, and, of course, I'm a little biased. I'm a Wolves fan, and uh, I'm really not fond of Jimmy Butler. He did not receive a Christmas card from me this year. Um, so I'm looking at him going, you know, this kind of kind of serves you right uh, <laughs> as a guy who's kind of sitting back and, and just thinking about that. But let's, uh, let's shift gears from the Sixers. You, you talked about last night, Yusuf Nurkic had the five – five-by-five game. He had 24 points, 23 rebounds, seven blocks, five steals, five, or excuse me, seven, excuse me, I looked at that wrong, seven assists, five steals, five blocks, uh, as they beat the Kings in overtime. This guy is just a special player, and he can do so much on the court, and he is really the one thing to me that's really keeping this Trailblazers team from being just a mess. Because they have so many guards, and they got two two guys who dominate in the backcourt, and then they have nothing else. Uh, they're really weak at the four and the three, but he is a five who can do some work. What's your thoughts on Nurkic up in Portland? He's really starting to figure it out. You know, his career has come a long way. Uh, when he was back in Denver, I mean, he, his numbers were terrible. You know, his body wasn't good. He was dealing with injury issues. He wasn't motivated. He was getting in, you know, fights with the coaches over what his role was going to be. And he's just really found a great home in Portland. They invested him, you know, a big contract in him. And instead of doing that classic thing of like, oh, I got my payday, so now I'm going to relax, he's actually taking his game to the next level. You love to see it. I mean, that was the best game of his career, I would say, all around. Um, You know, gigantic numbers. I mean, I think that his stat line, you know, the 20-25-5-5, I mean, that had never been done before. Even just doing five-by-five five is pretty rare, and I think it was only the second in Portland Trailblazers franchise history, so that was pretty special. He's really earned the respect of his teammates. I mean, I think that's another thing, too. When, when he first got to Portland, they didn't know what to expect. Uh, you know, he had a lot of red flags coming from Denver. He hit the ground running down the stretch and helped them make the playoffs. I think that earned him a lot of credibility in the locker room, and his just desire to continually improve and to really work hard uh, you know, to, to fight through some energy issues because he's a very big guy. He's asked to cover a lot of ground on defense. Uh, he plays for a team where, you know, the two guards shoot a lot. And so that doesn't always mean he's, he's not always the number two option up there. Uh, that means there's a lot of dirty work to be done and not always glory to be had. And he's found a way to sort of embrace that role and then to just play so well that they have to kind of continue to feature him. And I know that the local media up there is kind of pushing the narrative now where, you know, Nurkic is Portland's second-best player because he's kind of surpassed uh, C.J. McCollum because he does more on the court. Uh, he, he's, uh, he's able to contribute you know, defensively on, on the glass. And I can see what they're, what they're saying with that. You know, I think C.J. still 
you know, his, his scoring ability is better than anything individually that Nurkic does. But I think you can make a really strong argument that Nurkic is kind of a better all-around player. I think the real challenge for him, though, comes in the playoffs because, you know, last year we saw him match up with Anthony Davis, and that was just, you know, a bloodletting. I mean, Davis just killed him. And I think he's going to be in trouble in certain postseason matchups. Even against the Warriors in years past, he's gotten exploited because he's a traditional big center. And when teams go smaller, he has a harder time keeping up. And I think that's the big challenge for him this year. Does he continue to have those problems in the playoffs? You know, does he get exploited and played off the court? Because if so, you know, all these huge numbers that we're talking about right now, they're not going to mean too much uh, in April and May. Yeah, but uh... – I think he's I think he's easily going to be a top five center in this league, if not this year, then clearly by next year, year after. He's he's a very special player. I, I like what he's doing in Portland. Um, let's jump over to the Eastern Conference since uh, you know a lot of our listeners like it when we kind of hit a lot of topics. So we're going to hit uh, the Eastern Conference right now. The injury of John Wall. He is done for the year. What what do the Wizards need to do? Now, do they just go ahead and just call it a season? Let's try and rebuild. Let's maybe trade some guys. Let's just blow this up. This didn't work. Or do they try to keep these pieces together and keep these guys happy? They got rid of Oubre, which to me was a mistake. I thought they should have tried to have got rid of Porter instead of Oubre, but that's just me. Um, and now your wall's hurt. You got Bradley Bill, who on again, off again, unhappy. He's happy. He's unhappy. No real big underneath to speak of uh, with Dwight Howard being hurt. So what do the Wizards need to do? Well, I think that um, they have a real choice. They're at the crossroads. They can either try to do what they did last year, which is try to be respectable, win games, try to get into the playoffs, and then just wind up getting killed once you get there. And so far this season, they're 0-6 against the East top five seeds. So I think that would be a real mistake. Their other opportunity is to do a tank, and I think that would be a much better idea. And it wouldn't actually be that hard for them to do. If they just limit Bradley Beal's minutes, he's playing tons and tons of minutes. I think he's played 40 minutes or more already at least 11 times this season. That's way too much. Scale his minutes down, play some of the younger players like a Troy Brown, try to trade whether it's Ariza or Jeff Green um, you know, whoever else, the veteran guys, you can try to move just for, you know, second round draft picks or whatever else, move those guys out and then, you know, go with a little bit of a youth movement. If they did that, if they're not very far away from getting a top five pick or a top three pick. And when we look at their salary cap situation with John Wall, Bradley Beal and Otto Porter, the big problem they've had for the last two or three years is they can't find another way to really add top end talent. So they've got to just kind of continue shuffling the deck chairs around those guys. What better way to get a top end talent than to have a top five pick? I mean, imagine how bright their future would be if, if they got Zion Williamson. Like that is so much better than whatever they're trying to do here over the last you know three or four years, just continuing to cycle these guys in around John Wall. And let's be honest, they need a new franchise player. John Wall hasn't been a franchise guy since 2017. He may never, once he gets back from this surgery, he may never be the same guy. His whole game is predicated on speed, and we're talking about you know, an Achilles or a heel injury, which is like the worst possible thing you could have for a guy who needs to have you know, high foot speed. He hasn't developed the three-point shot really that much, um, and he, his effort level on defense has really come and gone. 
I think they're stuck with John Wall because his contract is so tough to trade, but I don't think they should be banking on him being their franchise player of the future. And I think the only way they can get a true franchise player is through the draft. And the best way for them to do that is to just tank the rest of the season. And look, their fan base is already disillusioned. They're already disappointed. It's been a, a nightmare season for them to get started. And this would just be, uh, you know, the right time to do it. And if you land the Zion sweepstakes, well, then, you know, it, it winds up being a huge home run. Yeah, and, and the new NBA lottery system, the way it's working out, uh, it's very possible because I believe they're starting that this year, the way the, the lottery works out. So uh, th- there is a possibility they, they could do that. Right now they are 11th in the East. Um, they're two and a half games above Atlanta, who, believe it or not, we all, I I wrote Atlanta off for dead. I, I thought they would be the worst team in the league this year. They're, you know, they're really they're not good, but they're only five and a half back of the eight seed in the in the East. I mean, crazy things have happened. So uh, who knows? You know, they've already got better record than the Bulls, than the Knicks, than the Cavs. So who knows with Atlanta? But anyway, <laughs> sorry, little aside there. I just realized that Atlanta was not in last place, so that was kind of shocking to me. <laughs> But no, don't worry. You're not the only person who's you're not the only person who's overlooked them. And I think your your point about the lottery odds is a great one. All they got to do is get to the the third worst record, and if they get to the third worst record, they'll have the same odds as the team with the worst record. So it's not like yeah. they have to do anything like that embarrassing. And if they get the fifth worst record, the odds aren't that much different than the worst record. So again, you don't, you don't have to do this super embarrassing tank where like you're the Sixers and it's the process and like all this, you know, nonsense. If you just strategically, you know, position yourself to lose games uh, and, you know, and drop a few spots, it's going to make a big difference in the draft lottery. And I tell, and a lot of times I don't like the tanking mindset most, most of the time, but in this, for once, I'll say this, this would be a team that needs it. Because this is a team that they need to, with the the injury bug hitting them the way it has, what it, John Wall's done for the year, you're not going to get your quote-unquote franchise player back. You've got Bradley Beal, who is not exactly thrilled with his position. And you could possibly, you could, you know, you're going to put guys out on the court and they're going to try, but more than likely you're not going to win a lot of games. Bradley Beal, to me, is not the guy between him and Otto Porter that's going to take you and, and win ball games. I just don't see that. Um, they got rid of Austin Rivers uh, in the trade, that they or they, they just waived him, and now he's in Houston. So I'm just confused by what they're doing in Washington. Uh, they got Troy Brown there, they, who they drafted, uh, another confusing pick for me. You know, there were some really good players still available on the board that they could have used, but we'll see what happens with them. Um, but speaking of rookies, uh, I noticed you did kind of a profile on rookies in the league this year, kind of looking especially at uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. was a guy you really dived in on your Washington Post write-up, and Luka Doncic. Um, I know you guys have talked about highest long-term ceilings and I don't want you to give everything away because I do want people to check your guys' podcast out and listen to you and follow your writings for the Washington Post. But we'll start with Jaron Jackson and then we can go to Luka Doncic. What do you see these two players becoming? Do you think they'll be the best two players to come out of this uh, previous draft or do you think DeAndre Ayton has a shot at becoming a a true great big or what's your thoughts? 
I think my order would be one Luca, two Jaron Jackson Jr., and then three either Aiden uh, or Trey Young. Um, I think what gets me excited about Luca is just the high level playmaking already having a huge impact on wins and losses, and how difficult it is for teams to guard him. He's having so much success early that he just fits that mold of a guy you can build your whole offense around and maybe have a you know a top five, top ten offense in the not too distant future. And that's just really, really valuable into today's games. I mean, obviously, he's not like an athletic player like a LeBron. Um, you know, he's not quite the shooter maybe of, of like a James Harden. Um, but I do think he's going to be regarded as, you know, one of the best playmakers uh, the, the, the NBA has. You know, he's got a case as an all-star already as a rookie. You hardly ever say that about guys. So I think he deserves, you know, th- that number one spot in terms of the highest ceiling. But I really like Jaron Jackson Jr.'s game. I mean, to me – He can be a defensive player of the year, you know, five years down the road. I think not only does he have the length around the basket, but he has the versatility to cover space, to switch, to guard smaller defenders. And then on top of that, he's really, really smart. And and the the piece I wrote about the Washington Post was sort of about his support structure and his upbringing. But his dad was a former NBA player who won a a title with the Spurs. His mom is the executive uh, director uh, of the national or the, the women's national basketball players association. So she basically is like the Michelle Roberts for the WNBA. So she really understands the business of basketball and uh, she's you know, a pretty high powered lawyer. And so, you know, Jaren's coming up in this environment where both academics and athletics are really stressed and where he's got just great mentorship from both his parents on, on all of those uh, situations. And so when I think about the best defensive player of the year, guys, whether it's Draymond uh, you know, Rudy Gobert, Marcus Gasol, a lot of the work that those guys are doing, they're doing it with their heads. You know, it's their brain. It's, it's being able to anticipate plays before they happen. It's being able to captain your teammates into the right positions. Uh, you know, it's, it's all organizing your defensive strategies. And I think Jaron uh, is going to grow into those expectations very well in the future. I, I think it's going to be just a natural fit for him. I think defensively he really compares uh, very similarly to like an Anthony Davis. And to me, Anthony Davis probably should have been a defensive player of the year candidate here the last couple of years. And so I kind of see that as his ceiling. Now, how good of a player can he be uh, once, uh, you know, he's uh, on offense, I guess is the question. Like once he's 25, what does his offensive game look like? And to me, that's the big unknown because he's really good around the basket finishing. He's a good three point shooter but he's not really a playmaker. He doesn't really do a lot off the dribble. And I think if he really wants to be like a superstar level player, you know, a big time two way type player, uh, he's got to you know fill out his offensive game just a little bit more. But I'll tell you, talking to the people in Memphis, they have sky high hopes for Jaron Jackson Jr. I mean, they think he's going to be able to be a, a top five two way player in the league. One of the best guys at his position, you know, an all-star level player, defensive player of the year type guy. And I think, uh, you know, he's on track and he's got the support system, like I mentioned, to, to get there one day. Yeah, if you play in Memphis, you better know how to play defense. That's just, <laughs> you don't have a choice. You have to know how to play defense in <laughs> Memphis. And that, and they're fun to watch that way. Uh, you know, they're not going to put up 150 points a game. If you ever look at their betting lines, there's there's games where the over-under on the, the score total will be like 196. And it's just like, it's the NBA. There's teams that aren't putting up a combined 196. When you play Memphis, if you can get over a total of 196 with them, you've done something. 
and it's impressive. So Memphis is a is defense. It's blue collar. They know what they're doing in Memphis when it comes to defense. Um, looking around the league right now, since we brought up the Hawks and how they're shocked us a little bit, Ben, who's the team that you're seeing, whether it be Eastern Conference, Western Conference, uh, either or, who's the team that surprised you by their either success or, or lack thereof this season? If you want to give me one of each, that's fine too. But, uh, you know, just around the league, who's surprised you so far this season and who's kind of let you down? Well, it's funny because the two teams who I think have been the most pleasant surprises to me are actually two teams I thought would be really good this year, and that's Milwaukee and Denver. But they've just they've been even better than I hoped for. And with Denver, the story's just been how great Jokic has been, leading them through lots of injuries and adversity, and just keeping them right near the top of the standings, even though he's got starters kind of all around him going down with like pretty serious injuries, whether it's Millsap, Gary Harris, Will Martin. He's just been an absolute rock for them. With Milwaukee, I knew their offense would be better uh, getting Coach Bud there and, and spacing the court out around, around Giannis. I didn't know it would be this much better. I mean, they've got one of the best offenses in the league. They're shooting three-pointers like crazy. Uh, the whole thing just makes so much more sense than it did under Jason Kidd, and it's just been really, really fun to watch. I mean, to me, Milwaukee is like one of the most watchable teams in the NBA, and if you go back over like the last 20 years, there hasn't been very many years we could actually say that about, uh, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks. In terms of some of the teams that maybe uh, have been disappointing or, or surprising from a negative standpoint, I think it starts with the Pelicans. I mean, Anthony Davis is out here putting up 48 points and 17 rebounds in games. I mean, just having these crazy stat lines, and yet they're sort of in 14th place in the Western Conference, and I don't see really much hope at all for them to get back into the playoff picture. And so at that standpoint – it makes you wonder, does he start to make some noise before the trade deadline, or does the noise pick up after the season? I mean, he's just wasting his career right now uh, in New Orleans, and I wouldn't have said that at the start of the season. My whole mentality coming into this year was like, look, let's give the Pelicans a chance. They looked really good in the postseason. Let's see if they can build on that success. They changed the roster a little bit. Like, let's see where it's going to go. And unfortunately, it's just, it just hasn't worked. And I think they've tried everything they can possibly do down there in New Orleans they have not built a good team around him. And I think if I was Anthony Davis or his agent or anybody close to him, I would be trying to eye a trade scenario as soon as possible. Yeah, and there's rumors going all over the place for Anthony Davis, especially with the trade rumors. Um, Boston, L.A., I mean, there's a lot of places that – I mean, there, if if you hear Anthony Davis is on the trading block, there should be 29 phones getting picked up and calling to find out, you know, hey, what do we got to do to get this guy? Uh, what's it going to take? And and then, you know, of course, a lot of teams won't be able to afford that contract, but you still call as far as I'm concerned. you got to find out. you got to see if, you, if you've got a chance. But apparently Boston is a big uh, proponent – the Lakers are another one that people are really eyeballing and trying to, to talk um, trade with, especially with the amount of cap space they're going to have and when his contract is up. You know, who knows? He may want to go to New York. Uh, that's been a talk that he could end up there along with uh, Kevin Durant even. New York's going to have some cap space, so we'll see what happens there. Um, where do you think AD would fit in the best? Where do you think – he should, if he wants to better his career and become a great player, where do you think he should go? I think my number one pick for him 
uh, would be the Golden State Warriors. And I realized that's sort of like saying, hey, go to Harvard, you know, to a high school kid. Oh, like, God. Come on, Ben. Um, you, come on, Ben. Don't do that to us. <laughs> I, I, I hear you. Look, it, it, they'll have to trade something, though, right? I mean, I can see a scenario where the Warriors are like, look, we want to lock in some longer-term star power. Let's try to get Anthony Davis. Let's trade Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, maybe some draft picks, and, and try to, you know, figure something out there. Uh, if I was him, that's where I'd want to play because I would win titles. I would become a huge star. I'd get to play in a brand-new palace of a building next year in San Francisco, and everybody would be talking about me. My marketing would go through the roof. Uh, if it's not the Warriors, then I think the Lakers make the most sense. I mean, a team you – know, imagine him and LeBron. I mean, that would be like the 21st century version of Magic and Kareem, right? Like just this unbelievable uh, playmaking duo, scoring duo – that would just put on a show every single night. I think that they would they would be sort of the center of the NBA universe. Um, those would be my top picks. But I'm also a West Coast guy, so it's probably not a coincidence that I'm saying, hey, he should come out to the West Coast because, hey, look, it's in my best interest if he picks one of those teams, right? Yeah, I guess if, if you're thinking from the Anthony Davis side, I was hoping and you know, I was kind of hoping for for something else. But oh well, no, nah, I'm kidding. It's fine. well. What's what's, uh, your, what's your best decision? Well, I mean, if I'm Anthony Davis, then I agree with you. But uh, I'm just talking about as a fan, from a fan perspective. You know, I would actually really like to see what Davis could do in a a bigger market. And if you can put the players around him, it would be interesting to see. Of course, everyone's going to say Boston. And to me, he fits better in Boston. But at the same time, I just don't think Boston's going to be able to afford that contract. Um, yeah, they'd have to trade probably Jalen Brown. They would probably have to give up possibly Jason Tatum, but I don't know if Danny Ainge would be willing to do that. But Boston needs a four. Um, Al Horford's a great five. He does he does a lot of good, but he's not a pure scorer. And Davis could bring to Boston as a scorer. He could make them as deadly as deadly could get. You know, maybe maybe Davis could fit in in Toronto, um, be more of the four or five kind of guy who could stretch the floor. Valencia Eunice has got a decent jump shot, but not exactly uh, the best the best jump shot in the world. I don't know. Just, I have this feeling. I just don't want to see him go to the Warriors. Does that make sense as a, as a guy no, who's been watching? A, what, if he went to L.A., a lot of I wouldn't guys even who be agree that angry. I wouldn't yeah, even be that funny. mad if I mean, he went to L.A. and played with LeBron. But if he, if he goes to Golden State, then I just got to put my head in my hands and just say, oh, God, another one. No, I hear you. And it's so funny because five or 10 years ago, everybody would have said anybody but the Lakers. And now it's anybody but the Warriors. Uh, I hear you. I mean, I think the value of him going to the Lakers would be now all of a sudden we got a serious debate about who the best team in the league is, right? Like who's going to win the title, uh, Warriors versus Lakers. If he goes to the Warriors, then I think you're going to get a lot of that, oh, boy, same old, same old feeling that you're that you're mentioning. But that's why it's so tricky because if you think about – the reasons why Kevin Durant wanted to go to Golden State, you know, winning, winning, you know, fame, big market, the tech industry, and all those things, like that pitch is a really strong pitch. Like if you're Anthony Davis, you're probably interested in every single one of those things. And if you're the next superstar, you know, down the road, you're probably interested in those things as well. And that's why I kind of make it the Harvard comparison, right? It's like Harvard's had an embarrassment of riches for 150 years, and they just never get yeah. sick of it. And, and the Warriors want to be like that. And they want to just sort of dominate the NBA indefinitely. 
and they want to be setting themselves up for the future. You know, once, you know, guys like Steph and, and so forth, you know, age into their thirties and uh, you know, that's no fun for everybody else who's looking at Harvard saying, come on guys, share the wealth a little bit. Uh, but I can promise <laughs> you the Warriors are, are that aggressive, right? They want to keep these players. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I understand. And I, and I get that if you're a Warriors fan, you'd love it. If you're no matter where he goes, if he doesn't go to your team, you're going to be upset. I think that's the uh, I think that's the way people look at it. And it's like, oh, you mean he didn't go to the Phoenix Suns? How dare he? But uh, uh, you never know. <laughs> could, could be a Kentucky connection there, Devin Booker. That'd be interesting. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But if you're Davis, you want to go where you can win a title. Um, but Ben, I've kept you long enough, and I appreciate you giving us some time here on Why Men Can't Jump. Once you let our listeners know where they can find you and where they can read your articles, listen to your podcast, and all that stuff. Thanks for having me on, first of all. Uh, you can find me at Ben Golliver on Twitter, B-E-N-G-O-L-L-I-V-E-R. I'm at Ben.Golliver on Instagram. We've got the Open Floor Podcast. Just search for Open Floor on Apple Podcasts. And, of course, also on uh, WashingtonPost.com slash sports. Well, Ben, thank you again so much, and appreciate you giving me so much of your time. And we hope to have you back real soon. Uh, maybe around the trade deadline, we can talk a little trades and maybe a potential Anthony Davis anywhere but uh, Golden State trade. <laughs> I love it. All right, man. We'll talk soon. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. And that was my conversation with Ben Golliver from the Washington Post and the Open Floor Podcast. We jump around the league and talk a little hoops. But, guys, it's been an, uh, a fun show, a first one for the new year. And I want to thank Jeff for joining us. Jeff, thank you for calling in. Always oh. welcome here on the program. No I want to pull back. Thanks for having I to, me. I want to pull back the curtain a little bit for those who don't know. That is, in fact, the great Jeff Hornacek. It is Jeff Hornacek, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it is it Jeff is. Hornacek. Yeah, I rubbed my face too yet at the foul line. <laughs> and I know, and I know there is a fame. I know there is a famous Nate, but I can't remember his last name. NBA Archibald? player, and I, Nate, Nate Archibald. Archibald. Okay, he'll do. And I defy you to come up with a Tim one. Or Nate Robinson or Nate McMillan. Yeah, Nate McMillan be a good one. <laughs> Tim Legler, man. The only Tim I ever can come up with is Tebow, and I can do without. About legs, man. Tim Legler. Don't like Tim Legler? I don't know him. Oh, man, I didn't win. Dang it. Anyway. Anyway, we want to thank you guys for listening to this episode of Wide Man Can't Jump, episode 60, Wide Man 2K19, first of the year. So, everybody, thanks for tuning in, listening. You can follow us on widemencantjump.com where you can get our episodes there. Go check out the articles. Check out all the fun over there at widemencantjump.com. We're adding to it slowly but surely. I want to thank everybody again, and you can listen to us on iTunes, Podcast Static Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, Pod Paradise, iHeartRadio, and more. Wherever we're wherever you're downloading, we're there. Make sure you check us out. And we do want to give a big thank you. Last year, Huge year for Wide Men Can't Jump. Over 100,000 listens, downloads. Thank you guys so much for that. We really appreciate it. Great year for us. Thank you. 
What do you think, Tim? I said send money. You send money. <laughs> send money so we can uh, the uh, what would it be the Tom Robinson College Fund. <laughs> Jesus. But we do thank thank you guys so much again for making this show possible, and thanks to our sponsors, New Law Office at newlawoffice.com and wowfreecam.com. Thanks to our guests this week, uh, David Brandon and Ben Golver. Thanks again, Jeff, for calling in. Tim, thank you for co-hosting, and uh, no problem, everybody, man. tell Tim tell Tim how good his new microphone sounds. I think it sounds pretty awesome. Uh, Tim coming through loud and clear now on his new mic. So way to go, Tim. So heard me singing earlier. What was it? What yeah. Was, oh. I can't even begin to describe it. Well, you can follow the show at Wide Jump. You can follow Tim at Tileman68. I'm at MMITM Nathan. You can follow me on Twitter. And we want to thank you guys one more time for getting our likes and follows up on Twitter. It's starting to grow, and numbers are growing up. So thanks again for that. And we appreciate the love out there, everybody. So really, keep it up, and thank you again. I know I'm thanking you a lot, but it really does mean a lot, everything we've been able to do this past year and uh, Tom will be back soon. He was going to host with me tonight. Unfortunately was working, uh, got called in. So Tim stepped up again and Jeff jumped on cause Jeff's just cool like that. And, uh, we want to invite you guys to check out the program. Tim and I are going to have another program up this week and Jeff, you're welcome to join us. We're going to talk a little, uh, NFL playoffs. Playoffs. Yeah. You well, heard we me. We got it. And we got to do uh, a, a playoffs. College playoffs. Yeah, you heard me. Uh, playoffs. 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 <laughs> you right. know what they were. I do. <laughs> I just hope we can win a game. <laughs> what craziness! Well, we do these shows live. If you can't tell, <laughs> we don't. We don't rehearse this. I mean, listen. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> Somebody should have ripped out right at that very moment if they'd have been thinking. Spell it, Alan. <laughs> well, thanks again for listening, everybody. For Jeff, for Tim, I'm Nate. Hey, Tim, send us out of here, shall we? Somewhere over the rainbow. Is that how you're going to send us out? I guess that is how he's going to send us out. Peace! Thanks for listening to this show on the Wide Men Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com slash jump. You can download this and any other episode from our network at iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Podparadise, Google Play, Player FM, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. This show has been brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com, facebook.com slash makeupkennedy, and wowfreecam.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at widejump. You can follow us on Instagram at widemencantjump, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash widemencantjump. Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Also, Rate the show and tell us how we did. If you love us, please give us a five-star rating. Again, thanks for listening to this episode on the Wide Men Radio Network. Tune in, same time, same place, for the Wide Men Radio Network at blogtalkradio.com slash Wide Men Can't Jump.